Welcome to another episode of the Dongfang Hour China Space Updates. I'm Jean Neville, joined as always by my co-host, Blaine Curcio. In this episode, we discuss China revealing important launch projects for 2022 in its annual Blue Book. But first, let's dive into a very unusual but fascinating rocket company, Tianbing Aerospace. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dongfang Hour. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened. Tianbing Airspace, also known as Space Pioneer, is one odd, mysterious launch company in China. It's notably made some fascinating technical choices for his rockets, and this sets it apart with all other Chinese launch companies. They raised another big round of funding this week, so I think it's a good opportunity for us to provide an update on the company's current situation. Founded in 2019, Space Pioneer is based in Beijing and Xi'an for research and development, in Zhengzhou City for tests, and they have a manufacturing based in the city of Suzhou. The company is currently designing the Tianlong series of liquid-fueled Carolox rockets, the Tianlong-2 and the Tianlong-3, and there used to be a Tianlong-1 rocket, but it now seems to have been scrapped. There isn't any official information on the architecture of Space Pioneer's rockets, but we are still able to figure out a few things by collating information from here and there, so let's dive right into that. Firstly, the innovation from Space Pioneer does not come from the architecture of its rockets. From various models and renders, it seems that they're going for a Falcon 9 type two-stage rocket, performing vertical takeoff and vertical landing, and deriving that into a heavier version by slapping on two additional first stages and strap-on boosters, a little bit a la Falcon Heavy. So no surprises there, this is now a classic architecture with new rocket companies. Now, where it gets interesting is when we start looking at propulsion technology. The Tianlong-2 and the Tianlong-3 rockets are liquid-filled rockets. They're using the Tianhua-11 engine, which burns kerosene and liquid oxygen in a closed cycle architecture with a turbopump running oxygen-rich. Now, without going into detail about what all this is about, there's actually a great video by Everyday Astronaut that already explains this. I just want to say that this is a highly efficient architecture that is very difficult to manage. And I believe only the Russians through the legendary RD-170, 180, 190 series of rocket engines managed. And I think in a nutshell, it would be very impressive if Space Pioneer could actually pull this off. And it's in big contrast with all the other commercial launch companies in China, like Landspace and iSpace, which use a less efficient, but of course, less complex gas generator cycle type of engine. The next interesting point on Space Pioneer is that the Tianhua 11 engine is over 80% 3D printed according to the company, and this includes core components like the turbo pump, like the combustion chamber, and while we've seen this level of 3D printed engines with other companies outside of China, typically Rocket Lab, Relativity Space, Orbex, this is definitely something that's quite unprecedented in China. Some other new space rocket companies in China, such as Aerospace Propulsion Tanglong Engine, do use some 3D printed parts. But with Space Pioneer, I think it's the first time that we're hearing about figures as high as 80% in China. Finally, the most interesting thing about Space Pioneer is with the other engines they're developing, the Tianhua 1, 2, and 3. Now, why is that? This is because they're bringing to the table something called HCP monopropellant. 
Now, some background on monopropellants. Monopropellants are fuels which don't need a separate oxidizer to burn. They simply decompose when in presence of a catalyst element, producing a highly exothermic reaction in the process and generating thrust. And this amazing property means that monopropellant engines are much more simple and you only have one fluid to handle. Oftentimes, monoprops are also in a liquid state at room temperatures, and this is great. This is unlike the other fuels that are generally used in you know, modern rockets like methane, hydrogen, and liquid oxygen, which are cryogenic. And so with monopropellants, generally, you don't need to deal with cryogenic plumbing systems. Now, of course, there are disadvantages for monopropellants. The main one is that they have lower specific impulse, meaning that they're less efficient per gram of propellant. And generally, they're also quite toxic. And this is the case for one of the most popular monopropellants, hydrazine. And this is why today hydrazine is seldom used as the main propulsion for new rockets. So what's new with what Space Pioneer is bringing to the table? Well, firstly, they're not using hydrazine, but they're using a novel monopropellant that they call HCP Green Monopropellant. According to Space Pioneer, this monopropellant would solve many of the previous problems. The ISP of HCP is much higher, according to them, beyond 300 seconds, and this is not too far from many Carolox engines. Also, HCP is green, meaning that it doesn't release the highly toxic gases, and this is a major improvement over hydrazine. And finally, there are rumors, based on the patents that Space Pioneer has released, that these engines are pressure-fed engines and autogenously pressurized, meaning that the engines would be using simple valves rather than pumps to feed propellant into the combustion chamber. This is also a big gain in terms of simplicity. Finally, HCP monopropellant is non-cryogenic. It's stable at room temperature. And this means that the rocket won't need complex cryogenic launch infrastructure to be fueled before a launch. And according to Space Pioneer, this means that any flat concrete surface is workable for them. The rocket would be deployed by a dedicated transporter rector vehicle, and then it would be just fueled by ordinary tank trucks. And this would massively cut down launch costs. And Space Pioneer mentions 30,000 RMB per kilogram for a launch into LEO, and that was in late 2019. This is roughly $4,500 to $5,000 per kilogram into LEO. So on paper, these engines, these HCP engines by Space Pioneer are pretty incredible. They would enable Space Pioneer to provide simple, low-cost rockets compared to its competitors. Now, of course, one very important question, how real is any of this? Let's look at the facts. Kang Yong Lai, the CEO of the company, is no newcomer to rocket development. He occupied positions like the director of the General Research Office at CALT, the Chinese Academy of Launch Technology, the largest state-owned rocket manufacturer in China. And he was also previously the deputy chief designer for projects including the DF-17 missile and the Long March 11 rocket. There have also been multiple actual videos of the test of the Tianhou 11 Carolox engines and the Tianhou 123 HCP engines. And there's also been, you know, images of the preparation of their vertical takeoff, vertical landing prototype Tianhou 1. And so I think this is sufficient to prove that Space Pioneer is probably not just a PowerPoint company. They're definitely developing a lot of actual tech. However, it seems very odd for a rocket company to pursue two different families of liquid-filled rockets using engines that would deliver roughly the same amount of thrust individually, although using very different technologies. And these rockets, by the way, would probably be in competition with each other. Another point is that we really know nothing about the rockets that will be using this 
HCP mild propellant technology. We only know about the Kerlox field rockets. As mentioned just now, the Tianlong-2 medium lift rocket, which should have its maiden launch later this year, and also the Tianlong-3 heavy lift rocket, which is to be launched at an unknown date. So it's possible that HCP monopropellant engines were pushed back on Space Pioneer's, you know, R&D roadmap. Possibly there are a lot of technical complexities, I'm not sure, but what's for sure is that this company has stopped discussing their HCP engines for the past, I'd say, year or year and a half. But whatever the reasons, it seems that investors still remain very keen on investing in Space Pioneer. For example, last week, the company raised an undisclosed amount in a B round of funding, bringing its total valuation according to the company, to 2 billion RMB, which should be roughly, I believe, 400 million US dollars off the top of my head. And we've also seen, by the way, that over the past month or two, they've been hiring massively. So Space Pioneer, a real pioneer in launch technology, or is it just another Chinese commercial launch company planning a vertical takeoff, vertical landing, medium lift liquid-filled rocket like iSpace, Landspace, and all the others? Blaine, what are your thoughts? Thanks, John. Definitely some rather mysterious news around Space Pioneer, although it's a very interesting uh, launch startup. And just a couple of last points about Space Pioneer before getting into our second piece of news of the week. Uh, so, John, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the CEO, Kang Yong-lai, had formerly been designing rockets for CALT. And of course, in addition to this role, he had also been the former CTO of Landspace before starting Space Pioneer. And this, of course, being a little bit interesting if we look at some of the uh, relative similarities in technological approach between these two companies uh, in, in more recent times. So getting into our second piece of news of the week, we saw published this week the 2021 Blue Book by the China Aerospace Science and Technology Corporation, or CASC, C-A-S-C, China's leading space company. And the Blue Book is published every year by the 512th Institute of CAST, C-A-S-T, which is the satellite manufacturing subsidiary of CASC. And the Blue Book outlines CASC's main projects and goals and aspirations over the coming year. Uh, so this year, CASC plans to launch more than 140 spacecraft on board more than 50 launches, and this compares to 48 launches in 2021. And among these more than 50 launches that are planned by CASC are going to be the maiden launch of the Long March 6A and also of the Jielong 3 rocket. And these two rockets are both pretty interesting. So the Long March 6A is a very scaled up version of the previously launched Long March 6, and scaled up meaning four boosters as opposed to no boosters and a height of about 50 meters as opposed to 30 meters. So a considerably larger variant of its sort of uh, sister rocket, the Long March 6. And uh, the Dialong 3, of course, is a rocket being developed by China Rocket, which is a commercial subsidiary of CALT. And they plan to commercialize this technology, which is integrating what we assume to be a lot of the technologies on the Long March family. And that's probably, um, you know, partly evidenced by the fact that the Jielong-2 rocket, which is the sort of medium-sized rocket from China Rocket, is also the Long March 11. So again, quite a lot of overlap, probably. And in the case of the, the Jielong-3, uh, we did hear from Longwei, who is the deputy program director for the rocket project, that they plan to launch two to three Jielong-3 rockets in 2022, including what will be, quote, a first mission that will be based on a platform at sea, so an intriguing sea launch reference there, and a further five Jielong-3 rockets to be launched in 2023. And just as a reminder, uh, the liftoff weight of the Jielong rocket is 140 metric tons, which makes it China's largest and most powerful solid-fueled rocket once it's 
successfully uh, completes its first uh, first mission. So in addition to these uh, handful of launches that, that CASC is planning to do over the course of 2022, we saw a couple of other main focuses in this blue book. So the first would be the completion of the Chinese space station, which is going to involve six missions in 2022. Uh, and of course, the second one is deepening research and development across things like uh, lunar exploration, so namely the fourth phase of the Chinese lunar project, and also some asteroid exploration missions, among others. And so looking at the Chinese space station during 2022, again, this year we are going to see six missions. And so this is going to include the two lab modules, so Wantian and Mengtian, that are going to be launched in Q2 and Q3, as well as two additional crewed missions, notably the Shenzhou 14 and Shenzhou 15 crews, and then also two cargo missions, so the Tianzhou 3 and the Tianzhou 4. And I would also note that during 2022, at some point, there are going to be six Taikonauts on board the Chinese space station at one time, bringing it to its maximum capacity uh, although the standard capacity will continue to be three. So just a couple of other announcements from the 2021 Blue Book that stood out. So CASC expects to have four to five launches of the Long March 11 in 2022, and then more than 10 launches of the Long March 11 in 2023. 2022 will also see two launches of the Long March 7, as well as two launches of the variant Long March 7A, with the latter being China's sort of geostationary transfer orbit workhorse over the next uh, generation of rockets. Also in 2022, we expect to see two launches of the Long March 5B rocket, which is currently China's largest rocket in terms of payload to orbit. And this will be the Wantian and Mengtian lab modules that I mentioned earlier. And the last rocket that's probably worth mentioning from this blue book is the Long March 8, which is expected to have its second flight around the end of this month or the beginning of March of this year. And the Long March 8 is particularly interesting for its sort of commercial application. So this upcoming launch in February, March is going to include 22 different satellites that are being launched by, I believe, although I could be wrong, seven different uh, institutions or companies or, or entities. And this is really, uh, so first, this would be the most satellites launched on a Chinese rocket ever, 22 satellites. Um, but then also, I think it's just very indicative of this sort of ride share trend that we had been seeing in China. And this was, of course, really kicked off probably around the Zhuhai Air Show last year, September, October, where we saw a huge number probably almost 10 contracts, possibly more than 10 contracts, between commercial Chinese satellite manufacturers and primarily CGWIC, which is the sort of uh, commercial subsidiary of CASC, and these contracts in Zhuhai being for ride-sharing on, on these rockets. And so I think, again, that's going to be something to keep a very close eye on, this Long March, Long March 8 and also the kind of emerging ride-share industry in China. And so just a couple of very final points on this Blue Book. So first, it's a little bit striking the emphasis that the Blue Book has on launch. I mean, there's very specific numbers for launch vehicles and for what China's been doing with their different rockets. Um, a fair amount of emphasis also on the space station and on a couple of other high-level missions, but very, very limited, I mean, almost no emphasis on satellites or constellations. I mean, we saw the phrase like satellite applications appear once or twice, but really no details beyond the fact that CASC plans to launch uh, more than 100 140 spacecraft in uh, in 2022. So I think this is perhaps not hugely surprising in the sense that, uh, as it turns out, CASC is not really the leading contractor for any of China's largest uh, constellation ambitions. So uh, the biggest example being the Guoang constellation, which appears to be operated by, by China Satellite Network Limited or, or China SatNet. Um, but digressing, I, I think it's just it's interesting to note this apparent lack of emphasis on satellites or, or lack of specifics, I guess we could say, um, on satellites. Um, so yeah, I mean, apart from that, nothing else from my side. Uh, Jean, anything from you on uh, on the China twenty twenty one uh, space blue book, or uh, or indeed on um, satellites versus rockets? 
Um, so not much to add from my side. I just want to add that 50 launches from Cask. That's up from the 40 that Cask had initially mentioned for this year in early January 2022 in their New Year message. So uh, that's an increase. And I think if we combine the 50 from Cask with um, you know the, all the other commercial launches that are going to take place this year, I'm you know, I'm pretty convinced that this year China is going to pass the 60 annual launches mark in 2022, and this would definitely be a first for the country. So probably a very exciting year coming up for Chinese launch. Um, and with that, that's about a wrap up for this week's episode. So before signing off, a special shout out to Spacewatch.Global and Go Taikonauts, two great sources of space industry news. Also, a special thanks to the Tim Champ and two other anonymous patrons who bought us some coffee over the past week at buymeacoffee.com slash Hour. Thank you very much. This helps a lot the channel. And with that, thank you again very much for watching. We will see you next week's episode. And until then, stay safe.